everyone. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode of When I Grew Up. On today's episode, I have my friend um, Gina with me today. Um, Gina, what did you change your last name? I was going to say Gina Chung, but you got married. Um, I didn't legally change my last name because of the licensing process. So yes, yes. In, I mean, I'm licensed now, and I'll get to it once I'm off of maybe maternity leave or kind of finding my stabilization after you know yeah yeah no I'm still Gina Chung right now okay well Gina uh, thank you so much for joining me today she is a uh, licensed therapist and she's going to go into detail about what kind of therapist she is but I just really appreciate you being here because I know uh, Gina is a mom of two and also with a newborn so she's um, giving me her time to share her wisdom uh, with the rest of us so thank you again on me I really appreciate it no problem. Um, so oh, I called mother. her Unni. <laughs> I called her Unni. For those of you that don't, that aren't Korean and don't know what that means, um, it just means like older sister type of person. And she truly is somebody that when I met her in college um, at UC Irvine was somebody I looked up to. Uh, we were in ministry together and I haven't talked to her in like 10 years. So for me, this is really a treat. Um, but without... Um, wasting too much of your time today. Uh, let's get right into it. <laughs> um, so Gino, can you tell me more about what type of uh, therapist you are? Yeah, sure. So um, I am a licensed American family therapist. Um, and I don't tr- work in the traditional uh, therapist environment as other people are um, familiar with. Uh, my title is actually Behavioral Health Clinical Care Manager, and it's actually in the utilization management of an insurance company. Uh, what that means is that um, I work for an insurance company called HealthNet, and we all have our own, like our own um, insurance companies, um, like our medical insurance. And in that medical insurance, there's a mental health section of the insurance. Like if you want to find a therapist or whatnot, you call your medical insurance and say, hey, I would like to get some referrals and whatnot. So you use your medical insurance or if you do have that option. And what I do is if a person with that health net insurance that I work for is hospitalized, let's say for suicidal ideations or they, um, you know, basically need uh, some detoxing because they're addicted to alcohol. And so any kind of inpatient services that they need, whether it is residential rehabilitation for substance abuse or whatnot, uh, the process is that um, the hospitals that admit the patients, they need to call us, the insurance company, uh, to request for prior authorization. And they need to give us the clinical information um, to see whether they are medically cleared to go and be hospitalized in that hospital. And I'm the one who basically filters that. I take in all the clinical information and I look at the assessment and see, say, okay, you know what? This person is definitely needing services. And so I take in all that assessment and with my clinical judgment, I authorize them. And I basically, uh, yeah, and so I give, I, you know, I have to go through all of that process. So I work with a psychiatrist um, and I work with, um, you know, other licensed therapists and we ha- all have to be licensed to do this job. Um, and so, you know, basically the hospitals call us and I basically give them prior authorizations to have those patients be admitted to the hospital. And that's kind of in a nutshell. So, I mean, like, okay. First of all, I have I had never even heard of this position before, but yeah, I guess it's very unique. <laughs> I mean, I guess if I, you know, have never had these types of um, medical conditions, I wouldn't yeah. really know either. But yeah. um, so you're basing this off of like what you're reading. Do you actually meet with the patient at all? No, no. So basically, it's it's if you think about it, it's a, it, it's an office job if you think about it but you're using your clinical judgment because the hospitals call you and um, they basically say hey I have one of your members and um, this is the information we have this is what they're saying and 
also we check their blood pressures we see if there's any like you know if, if for example if they got hospitalized because they were having suicidal thoughts or they actually attempted then we've taken all of that information and based on that information uh, we see if they meet that medical criteria and then um, we do that yeah it's a very we you you never knew they even did this right no no <laughs> so I mean you're so what you're saying is basically the insurance company needs to make sure that these claims are legitimate. Yes, basically. Yeah. So um, yeah. what is, if I can ask, like, yeah, um, is there a litmus like to like what is and what isn't like legitimate? Yeah. And so there's different levels of hospitalization. There's, um, you know, like inpatient and there's um, intensive outpatient where it's like intensive, but it's like partial hospitalization. So there's different tiers of hospitalizations too. And depending on that, you see the severity of um, like how severe the condition is. And then based on that, you say, you know what? Yeah, this person is appropriately in this um, serve, like level of services. And it also kind of helps us kind of um, evaluate if there are in the appropriate level of care too. For example, if they're in like a lower level of care hospitalization, but I feel like, you know, what they're telling me is a bit more severe, then um, I say, hey, maybe you should actually kind of get them into a higher level of care hospitalization. So we do that quality of care too. Yeah, you don't think that your health insurance has these quality care people, but we do to make sure that they're utilizing their <laughs> insurances appropriately. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So what is um like, I mean, I'm sure things have changed a little bit with COVID and um, I'm assuming... Mm -hmm. um, well, you, you mentioned earlier that you're on maternity leave right now. Yes. Um, but before all of that and before all these big things happening, uh, what did a typical day for you look like? Well, we were in an office and it was double doored, like, you know, because of, you know, HIPAA and because of um, personal information. It's an insurance company, so you don't want a lot of personal information to get out. It was, you know, very strict, you know, whoever goes in and out of the office, you know, my husband can't even come into the office because I couldn't even visit in the office when I was interviewing because there's all these personal information in the office. So wow. when COVID happened, um, we were told to work from home, but to, you know, they advised us maybe you should have a locked cabinet, you know, trying to do every measure to just make sure that we have secure information, but being appropriate to the environment that we're in with COVID to make sure that everyone's safe. Um, and so we had to work remotely, you know, kind of connect everything through the different, like, you know, making sure the insurance phone number comes to us, but like everything, you know, it just had to be done remotely. And I think our insurance company is slowly starting to realize, oh, wow, maybe this can be done remotely. I don't know, but... <laughs> <laughs> but I've been working remotely since this COVID happened and it's been kind of tough because, you know, I have my son at home, but I have to make sure I have to lock, you know, lock my door, make sure everything's like hidden or like it's locked. Nobody else can get my information. My phone conversations are not, you know, keeping out and all that stuff because it's very personal information. That's crazy. That yeah. is insane. I've never, I never even thought about how it affects people in that way. Like, um, yeah. you know, having to work from home. Well, interesting fact, though, though, you know, our job actually got busier, which is, you know, kind of interesting because a lot of people were relaxing on substance use because of this COVID situation. And so we were actually having more detox patients, like we were really busy because a lot of them were relaxing because they're just home and they're not utilizing their coping skills. They don't have their community. Yes, they have their Zoom community, but it was really tough for them. So I think it was kind of a bit tough for a mental um, health patients. Wow, that's uh, crazy. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. makes complete sense. And I feel like yeah. even before you had mentioned the relapse, I was thinking, I guess even people just being alone by themselves yeah. all the time and things like resurfacing would, wow, that's crazy. So it's yeah, and part of, sorry for interrupting, but part of my job description also is when a member actually calls their insurance line, there's actually a crisis line. I didn't know health insurance have that, but if they make any remarks of, um, you know, severe depression of, or hurting themselves or others, it actually gets through us, the licensed therapist, and we actually have to talk to them and handle those crisis calls. Have you had to deal with some of those in the last year? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll explain it more later, but or I'll expand more later. But 
Yeah, surprisingly enough, you know, people, when they're frustrated with claims, you know, or when they're, fr- <laughs> when they're frustrated, they make these statements that's kind of like, you know, red flag. And so it just comes to us and we just kind of talk to them, hey, what's going on? And kind of like de-escalate them and help them. <laughs> or if someone needs to be called, you know, if the authorities need to be called. So, yeah. Wow. I had no idea. So like all health insurance does stuff like this? You know, I'm not really sure, but the one that I work for does, and I think a lot of them do. Yeah. You know, that should be included, I think. Yeah. So, I mean... (laughs) It makes sense that they would have yeah. It, but Yeah. Okay. Well, if you don't mind taking me back to like the beginning, you know, those mm-hmm. UCI days. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Sure. What did what did you study in college? I actually studied sociology. Okay. And minor in education. And why did you <laughs> why did you decide on that when you first entered college? You know, I was actually very um Let's see, like, um, I didn't have any much goal, actually, when I was in college, if I think about it now. Um, And I was very simple minded, I just wanted to graduate. And I didn't even have any goal of what kind of job I wanted. I just said, you know what, I'm going to graduate because people just want a bachelor's degree. And I'll just get a full time job. It doesn't matter what kind of job it is. I was really directionless you know I didn't know what I wanted to do and the only reason why I decided to study sociology is because I love people and that was literally the only reason because I love people I love studying people I love you know learning about relationships and all that and the only reason why I didn't study psychology was because I didn't want to study the biological aspect of that you know (laughs) I didn't want to learn about the different types of like, you know, the brain, the left and the right. I didn't want to learn all that. I just wanted to learn about people. And that was literally my only reason of why I majored in it. (laughs) You know, now that you say that though, in the, the, the little time I spent with you in college, um, I mean, that is what I remember about you is that you were truly relational and really in, like, I mean, for me, like, you always made me laugh. Like, 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 and I just, I felt like every conversation I had with you, even if it was short, it was very, like, meaningful, and you were really engaged. So I feel like you being where you are now as a therapist makes complete sense in my head. But I'm curious to know, so after you graduated college, and you said you were kind of directionless, mm-hmm. um, what put you on this path? So I uh, graduated and then I did find a full-time job shortly after, which was in logistics, which is like, you know, freight, like, you know, like shipments and you just do administrative work, you know, you're just, you know, doing all those calculations just because they hired me. And it was through the UCI career website. They were just hiring um, a person with a, a, you know, a bachelor's degree. And I think I worked there for about a year and I thought, oh man, like, what am I doing? you know? Um, and so I took about a year break. I went to, um, you know, I, I think I left for a church conference for about a month or two. And I came back and I said, you know what, I think I want to do something in relation to disabled people. I've always, you know, I've always had a heart of adoption too. I've always been interested in foster care. And so I thought, you know, I don't know, let's see what the, the Department of Disability has for me. And so I started actually working in um, early child intervention for autistic children. And so I used to do uh, therapy with them. And, you know, they train you. you. You only need a bachelor's degree to get trained for it. And then once you get the master's, then you can you know, do more, but I was just doing um, the minimal job as an ABA therapist for autistic children. And then shortly after that, I got into a goodwill program where I worked with disabled adults uh, with inter- intellectual disabilities. And I thought, okay, but I, I think what I was looking for was counseling, mm-hmm. but because I had my bachelor's degree, I thought, okay, what is the closest thing I could get to? And I think I needed that journey because I didn't really know what I need. I had to kind of think, okay, I have this level of compassion for people with disabilities, but I wasn't really quite sure where that was. I couldn't really navigate specifically. It was, it wasn't narrow for me. It was just so broad for me. Mm. And then I decided, um, oh man, maybe I need to go back to school. And I really am not the studying type. I really am not. I, I feel you. <laughs> hate studying. And 
I was trying to do everything that I can to prevent myself from going back to school. And then I realized, this is a tip that I give to a lot of the people who ask uh, about my job is, you know, if you want to know um, if this job is for you, look at the job descriptions at that job, right? Like look at the job description to see that if this is what you wanna do. And I'm looking at the descriptions and a marriage and family therapist is what I really wanted to do. Every time I looked for a job in counseling, they always needed this requirement of an LMFT, LMFT, MFT, MFT, social worker, MFT. And so I thought, okay, maybe I just need to go back to school. And I really didn't want to, um, but I had to. And so I looked into it. And if that administrative assistant did not chase after me, I really wouldn't have enrolled. But she really was persistent. <laughs> And calling me, be like, hey, are you still interested if you need any other information? She was very informative and she was very motivating. And it was, I was looking for a Christian one too, um, because I just wanted to go in a program of faith. And so she really like motivated me very well. And so I got, I just decided to go for it and apply for Hope International University and um, enroll myself in their marriage and family program. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. um, you were saying you were reading like the descriptions of the job, yeah. and the marriage yeah. and family therapist kept coming up. What yeah. was it about that? Dis- like, what is so? What is the definition? It was yeah. It was the counseling. It was the one-on-one counseling. Um, you know, that was the main thing that got me. Like, I was always wanting to do counseling and um, therapist. And the description, I forget what the description, but now that I think about it, it was just, I think, um, like, the motivational interviewing or, like, some kind of, like, term that was very personal to me, relational mm. to me, you know, and it's part of it, one of the jobs that, like, you need compassion, like, you know, like, it was all those kinds of stuff, because marriage and family therapist is very similar to a social worker, too, mm. and so, um, you know, I was looking into all those descriptions, and I think the word counseling, though, it was the main thing that I wanted to get into, and I was kind of thinking, you know, should I get into student counseling at colleges you know Mm -hmm. but I was thinking no I want to get into marriage and family therapists like that's what I want to learn Mm -hmm. um so yeah and I was thinking I was even looking at like psychologist um programs too and one person described the difference between marriage and family therapy and psychology is again the the brain and the analyzing and all of that is in psychology where marriage and family therapist is mainly focusing on like environment around you, like how your family um, dynamic affected you. And that was, you know, I was so affected by my family. I mean, who's not, but that really struck a chord in me. And I said, yeah, that's what I'm interested in, you know? And so that's why I decided to go for that program. So the word counseling, you kept saying too, sorry, I just am curious, like, it what was it highlighted for you because you truly like wanted to help people mm-hmm. yeah I loved and I was kind of scared because I don't I didn't think I was such a great listener I'm still not sure if I'm a great listener but it comes with practice of course but I love learning about people when I meet a person I love learning about their stories their backgrounds I'm so interested in their family their early childhood and I'm genuinely interested and that's when I realized this is my job because I can really relate and, and, and have that interest, you know, having an interest is actually a tool for a therapist, you know, mm-hmm. um, having that curiosity is one of the tools as a therapist, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, I think that was what it was. I wanted to help people, but of course, you know, um, I had to kind of, um, sophisticate that also. Cause you know, ever since I was in college, I think I had the savior complex in myself, you know, like, I want to, like, save everyone, you know, (laughs) like, I want to help everybody, but I think it just, as time went by, I kind of was able to sophisticate, okay, like, which direction is more appropriate for myself, which was counseling and having boundaries and all of that stuff, but yeah, that word counseling that, you know, not that I am better than anyone to counsel anyone, but if I can learn the skills, Mm -hmm. I would love to, because I think I went through so much in my life. And I think because of that, I think I'm able to have more of that compassion and empathy for people, you know, to listen to their stories. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you decided, so so what you were saying is this administrative assistant kept pursuing you. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, 
Yeah. So you were kind of like, I don't want to go back to school. But this lady was like, no, you got to do it. She was basically, <laughs> like, I emailed her, like, hey, I'm interested in your program. It was, like, a general email, too, I think. But I think, you know, Hope International is a pretty small school, I think, in my opinion. And so I think they just really pursued me, you know, like, <laughs> hey, like, what is his, like, what is your question? Any question, like, you know, you can answer, like, you know, and then she followed up with me. She kept on following up with me and saying, you know, do you have any other questions? And, you know, and that's when I was like, you know what, this is doable. I was worried about finances. I was worried about, you know, grades, like what I needed, you know, like I didn't want to call UCI for my transcript. Like everything just seems such a, like a, right, hassle, right. You know? like, am I really like motivated? But she really was like, you know, this is all you need. You need to do this. And she really made it seem possible. Mm. And that's why I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe I can, you know? Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. I still face uh, friends with her. It's yeah. Um, okay, so at Hope International, this program, how long is it? So it's a 60-unit program, and uh-huh. so it took me about two years. And I okay. think it will take average about two years for everyone. And they offered night programs, thankfully for me. And so I was working full-time oh and gosh. going to the program at nighttime, I know. And I was getting married and all of this at that time. And so it was pretty gnarly. It was pretty wild at that time. But it was possible, you know, and I'm glad that I did it when I had the energy. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> okay, so um, the program itself, um, what is required? Is there like just a bachelor's or do you need to take a test or? Yeah, so yeah, I don't think we. I needed to do any like, what are the, like the GREs and stuff yes, like that, right? Yes. Like, why well, didn't need to do that, thankfully. Um, I, I needed to, I, I needed to turn in my transcript and then um, I needed to complete some like questionnaires that they have for me and some recommendations um, from other people, application and all of that. Um, and, you know, full disclosure, my GPA was not up to par. And so I really didn't think they were going to accept me. This is like seriously hope for everyone. You know, yeah. part of the reason why, like, I really went to college aimlessly and I thought you know what I I was even amazed I graduated in four years because my GPA was horrible I really don't know how I even graduated but I did and I was so embarrassed to turn in my transcript because it was really not up to par and they had a minimum and they said you know what your GPA is not up to par but you will be under some kind of probation academic probation for the first year so that like when you are showing like progress then like we're able to really keep you in the program and I was like that's fine by me you know and I actually graduated with a 4.0 can you believe that no I believe it I I, believe it I was really motivated yeah that I really wanted to learn and so I mean, seriously, you know, this is for people who have low GPA. <laughs> it's still possible. You could still go to school. It is doable. You know? And so I turned in my application and then they needed to interview me. I don't know if other um, programs do this. It w- this was a Christian one. And I don't know, maybe that's why they wanted to check or whatever it was. There was an interviewing process. And so I had to sit down with one of the professors and actually went through an interviewing process. Um, they wanted to know my story and the reason why I wanted to do it and, you know, and all of that stuff. So, and after that, I was a place on academic probation for a year. But, <laughs> you know, quarter, what I is, but it, I mean, for me, it's just so clear that in taking this step, like you wanted this. You know, you definitely want, and you were not aimless anymore. And that's just awesome. Okay. So like, if it's a Christian school and a Christian program, does that mean you're a Christian therapist or like, you know, Um, like your title or like, yeah, sure. The program itself is actually accredited by the, you know, by California or by the state or whatnot. So this program is a state program. Um, it's just that they put in a Christian um, subject like once or twice so that you can, um, you know, so that you can use it as a Christian therapist. But no, I'm not, I don't think I'm a Christian therapist. Like I'm not just um, right. labeled as a Christian therapist. I'm trained to, you know, meet with anyone, you know, it yeah. doesn't really matter. Yeah. But I, but learning, but having that faith, uh, you know, um, 
class in there is just helping you kind of uh, navigate to how to implement faith into your job as a therapist. But no, I'm not labeled as a Christian therapist. Okay, that was my next question. So for you, um, I guess, why was it important for you to find a like a Christian program? I think, um, you know, honestly, I think it's also because I was involved in church too. And I really wanted to see how I can use my counseling in the church too, you know? Um, and I just wanted to, I really didn't know, like, you know, because when you, I, when I grew up in a church and when I'm counseling my kids, you know, when I'm, you know, giving advice to my, you know, youth kids, for example, or younger generations, I didn't really know how to, you know, counsel them. You know, I just give them advice out of my own experience, right? And I just didn't know how to professionally do that, including the faith. And I was really interested in how this program would do that. Um, And honestly, it wasn't that different technically with what I've learned, you know, like, I feel like therapy was basically in a language of the secular world, but what we do already in the church, but still, like, I was interested in how to professionally do that so that I'm appropriately, like, they teach you boundaries, too, you know, and I think that's what I needed to learn the most, you know, Mm -hmm. and also not expressing so much of my emotion onto other people um, when I'm offended or when I'm affected by what they say, but really kind of looking at the goal of the conversation and drawing boundaries. And that's what I've learned. And I think it was very appropriate for me um, because I was interested in utilizing it in the church and just in general and how I can be of influence when I even meet other people, you know? Yeah. It seems like, like for me, I'm like, wow, this is a great tool like to have. Yeah. Um, um, so after you graduated from this program, now you're a licensed therapist. What were some of the next steps that you took, Gina? So um, once you are in the program, technically you're not licensed yet. So oh, oh, oh. while you're in the while you're in the program, you are considered as a marriage and family therapist trainee. Okay, and you need to volunteer for about 500 hours um, while in the program to graduate. I see. And with the thesis and all of that stuff at the end. Um, and so I need to do that. And then once you graduate, you become an associate marriage and family therapist. You're not even licensed yet. Okay. You know, you're not even okay. licensed there yet. You're considered an associate marriage and family therapist. And you can get a job as an associate marriage and family therapist. People will still hire you, um, but you won't get paid as much as a licensed marriage and family therapist probably. Um, and the reason why you're an associate marriage and family therapist is because you need 3,000 hours of training or experience before you can even apply to take the licensing exam. Wow. So, I know. It's it's such, it, it's it's so rigorous. I don't, I don't know why 3,000. I mean, yeah, but you need 3,000 hours. And part of it is with adults. Part of it is with family. They make sure that it's with like, you know, different um, you know, tiers of people. So it's like with children, with adults, with couples and all of that and individual and all of that. So, so how long did it take you to fulfill three? (laughs) Well, let me tell you right after I got, well, when I graduated from the graduate program, the MSU program, my husband just graduated from, graduated from his graduate program for an MDiv to be a pastor. And so we both graduated from our grad program and we said, yippee, and we got married. And so we both quit our jobs and we actually traveled for six months. What? So we actually, yes, because we just decided to, I know, and this is so not like me because I'm so goal oriented in life, but my husband's more about, hey, let's just try this out. And so, and I'm so glad I did. We traveled around 20 countries around Asia and Europe for six months, backpacking, um that's with so wedding, cool with, with our wedding money oh my goodness with our wedding money <laughs> and uh yeah so I did not collect any hours actually right after I graduated I didn't even have a job I just oh my literally gosh. traveled and we came back and then he found a job at a church and then I found a job 
as an associate marriage and family therapist and you can get paid. Um, and then I did that for full time. But I do tell these to people, to um, people who's interested in my program, the goal, you know, a lot of people enter into MFT programs because they want to open up their private practices. A lot of people, like their image that they have is you're in a room with another person, you're taking notes and you're listening to them. And that's what they envision, you know, when they get into the program. Sure. But it's really hard to get a full-time job as an associate marriage and family therapist because insurance doesn't pay associate marriage and family therapists. Insurance mm-hmm. only pays licensed marriage and family therapists. And so you're going to get a lot of jobs that are county con- contracted, which is by the government. And it's the government-based mental health services, which is um, a lot with a low socioeconomic, you know, population mm-hmm. and so low-income families. So you're going to deal a lot. And th- those, those are the only people that will hire you, honestly, after you graduate from the grad program. Uh, that will pay you full time. Yeah, you can work at a private practice, but you're not. You're going to meet maybe like seven, eight clients a week compared to when you can meet like get like 20, 30 hours a week. You know, mm-hmm. and so you're going to probably you know work at a lot of those county contractor works where you're going to work with a lot of traumatic traumatic based families you know a lot of kids are foster kids Mm. a lot of and you're going to be visiting them at their homes you're going to be visiting their schools you're going to be working with their social workers so I honestly it was a social you know it was social work that I was doing you know I was visiting families I was meeting I was doing family therapy I was taking crisis calls and all of that and so I did do a lot of those work in the adult mental health field and also the children mental health field and um you know I'm not gonna lie at least in California I had to do a lot of those county contracted work to get my hours yeah Um, man I feel like that would I don't know I just feel like you know the you mentioned you worked with a lot of like social economic like on kind of the I guess what do you say what were you saying it was called like the lower yeah not the middle but even lower I mean I don't know how to appropriate yeah but I mean like it's just really challenging in itself yeah I I talked to a social worker on the podcast too and so like and and you know that in itself I feel like is just so difficult I mean how did you I mean was it I mean what was the most challenging part for you during that time of your life you know it's so funny because I think you know, when you're in the MSD program, they actually teach you how to do self-care, okay. actually how to turn it off, you know, okay. and you actually learn a lot about yourself because part of the tool is not expressing yourself so much to your client, right? You're supposed to be there for them. And so when I get home, I have to learn how to turn it off. Mm. But a lot of times I had after hours. I'm in charge of like after hours also sometimes. And I don't know, I, you know, sometimes you just laugh at yourself too. Like I, I've had incidents where, you know, they would call me at like 2 a.m. in the morning and say they wanted to hurt themselves and you have to kind of like help them de-escalate or sometimes they're, and then there's drugs mixed in sometimes for the adults. And so you're kind of like, okay, like, what are they saying? (laughs) They're under the influence and all these kind of crises calls. And sometimes when I even visit homes and my supervisor even has to be like, hey, if you don't feel safe, you have to leave. Mm -hmm. I've had situations like that too. Mm -hmm. I've had situations where I had to call the police and I told my husband, oh man, I'm going to be on the news. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I really thought, and I, it's so interesting. And I, you know, I tell this to my husband all the time. It's funny because I was working in Long Beach. I was going to a lot of, you know, single parent homes and a lot of traumatized kids and all of that. And, and I got to see a lot. And it's so interesting because I did work in private practice after that mm-hmm. in Newport area, you know, it's in this really nice neighborhood. And, you know, I got to, you know, sit down with this girl who's been to private school and, you know, she, you know, grew up with her parents who were both doctors and all of that. But her struggle and trauma was almost similar to this kid that grew up in Long Beach with a single mom or who was in the system, which is so interesting. Yeah, you know? it's fascinating. It's so interesting to me. And I was like, wow, I thought I was, you know, kind of escaping that world, you know, to kind of, you know, get into this more, you know, not too severe type of area. But no, it was similar. Of course, it's not going to be exactly the same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the tools that I were using, man, it was 
you know, it wasn't that different. So it kind of, you know, it kind of, you know, kind of struck a light in me, you know, I was like, yeah, wow. Yeah, definitely. It's everywhere. It just seems like, yeah. I mean, from what you're saying, it's like, um, within families, like the issue is the same sometimes. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. And the struggles they go through, it's very similar. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, during that time in the beginning when you're like getting your hours and stuff like that and working full time mm-hmm. for this, for the county and stuff, um, was there ever a time? Cause I mean, I feel like, I mean, you know, getting late night phone calls, like, I don't know. Oh, I would be like, yeah. oh, like, but was there ever a time where you're like, is this really the job for me? Or did you ever oh, doubt it at all? I did. And I thought, okay, this is so funny. I thought, you know what? I just need to grind it out for 3,000 hours and I'm going to quit and I'm going to just um, open up my own practice and then I'm going to do what I do. I'm going to meet with clients that I want to meet because as a therapist, you could specialize in things. You could be a couple therapist. You could be trauma-based. You could be emotion. You know, it, it, it could be so many, it's so versatile, you know, you mm-hmm. can, um, and that's how therapists brand themselves too. Like if you go to psychologytoday.com, that's how you can find the therapist that's right for you. Okay. And they have their specialties. Like, um, you know, I specialize in this, I specialize in, you know, trauma, I specialize in structural therapy, I, spe- I, I specialize in EMDR, which is like, you know, like doing different tools, you know, to work with traumatized patients. So there's so many different, yeah, specialties. So I thought, you know what, like my specialty is going to be couples and um, like, you know, not children. I didn't want to do children anymore. I wanted to do more with adults, um, you know, young adults who are looking for, you know, I don't know, direction. I don't know what I was thinking at that time, but I was thinking, you know what, that's my direction. So I just need to grind it out for 3000 hours. And then I'm going to quit. <laughs> I'm going to do, and I really thought I was going to do private practice. That, that was what I was going for. Yeah. At that time. Yeah. And so I said, you know what, that's what I'm going to do. And then I, and then I quit. I actually did quit after th- I got my 3000 hours. And then while I was studying, I was working part-time like um, at a private practice and then kind of gaining experience from there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, and while studying for my exam. Okay, so after the 3,000 hours, you, you study for an exam that's, I'm assuming, the licensing exam. Yeah, you have to take the, you could take the law and ethics exam while you're in the program or I think post-grad, I, I'm not really quite sure when, but you take that. And then you have to take the clinical exam, which is about 170 questions. Oh. Um, yeah, and for four hours. Oh, and um, yeah, that's that's rough. And, I, and you have to, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so oh, what was I going to ask you? Oh, yeah. So you study, you're studying for that while you're at the private practice you mentioned. Yeah. Um, is this the one that in Newport? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm curious, like. Why does someone go to a marriage and family therapist? Like, what are some of the sure. reasons to even seek one out? Sure. I think, you know, um, a lot of people, I mean, there's a lot of stigma, right, to seeking a therapist, right? Um, and a lot of people don't even know what a marriage and family therapist is. They just think it's a psychiatrist or a psychologist, right? And psychiatrists are usually the ones who prescribe, you know, um, antidepressants for you, right? I can't prescribe any medication, but psychiatrists can, um, and you can meet with a psychologist too. Um, but you know, and so it depends on you know whether you can go to a marriage and family therapist or not. But I think you get to a point when you're living your life and you think, man, I think I'm depressed or I'm having some anxiety. Some people who have panic attacks a lot of times, especially people with anxiety, they sometimes first go to like hospitals first because they think they're having a heart attack. Um, and they go and they're like, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. And it might actually be um, that you were having a panic attack. Mm. And so they're like, oh, maybe we could refer you to some therapist. And so, um, and, and, you know, sometimes they seek for that. And a lot of clients that I've had actually had experiences with therapists before too, when they mm. were children or when they were teenagers or young adults. And sometimes it's like their first time ever. And so it's, it, it, you know, I think it depends, but I think they do. It, the first time is always hard, you know, and sometimes I tell people, you know, finding a therapist is like finding your doctor. You're not, if you don't like your therapist, you can find another therapist. It's like finding your match because it's the relation. You're going to tell them your whole personal information. They're not going to share with anybody else, mm-hmm. but 
you know, you don't have to just get stuck with that one therapist, you know, Um, but it's like finding your dentist or finding like your doctor, you know, and a lot of times as a therapist, you also collaborate with their psychiatrist if they are taking medications too, you could collaborate with them saying, you know, um, you know, this is what this client is taking and, you know, like what's appropriate for them. Or I could even say, hey, maybe you could talk to your psychiatrist about that. You know, if mm. it's, you know, if you're having any issues medically after taking your medications and stuff like that. So, okay, yeah. like, I know you don't do this right now. You're working for the insurance company. Yeah, no problem. But I'm curious, like, I'm, not, you know, I, I have friends that are in therapy and they just yeah. think it's amazing, you know, and I yeah. believe it. I believe it. I'm like, maybe everyone needs a therapist. Like, I feel like for yeah. mental health and everything, it would be so like, I, I feel like I would gain a lot from it. But mm-hmm. what I, I, I haven't met with the therapist yet, but what, what I'm curious about too is like what I imagine happening is like the person talking to the therapist and you're just listening. But then at what point do you like engage? I'm like, sure. Yeah, sure. I think it's hard because it's hard to kind of teach, you know, when you're even in the program, you're like, you got to read their body languages, right? Like, like, So they teach you um, different tools and there's like, I think like 10 different ways of um, ways of therapy. Right. And then you kind of choose what is your way, whether you use uh, by engaging their family or if you want to use like just um, like motivational interviewing where you interview them or you go through questions or, you know, there's so many different methods of therapy and but sometimes um, when you meet that person, you kind of see what their response is also, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes, for example, exposing my personal, like, you know, I, I do draw boundaries with my clients, but sometimes maybe talking about me as a mom might help that client because she's a fellow mother. Mm. And so you could kind of see their reaction there too. Or sometimes I feel like, you know what, I can't share anything about myself to this client because then she's going to think of me differently. Mm. And so you kind of have to really gauge what is appropriate for that member. And also in that law and ethics exam or whatnot, you kind of see also if this person does need therapy too, as a therapist, you kind of think, okay, like, ethically do you need to meet with me because if you're getting better you don't have to meet me anymore Mm. and you have to have um that line of ethics when you're meeting with your clients because you know you want what's best for them you know interesting yeah you have that guideline to make sure you're doing what's best for them wow okay okay (laughs) um You know, does your, like, uh, licensing and therapy ever, like, bleed in with your, like, personal relationships? Um, you, it's so funny because, um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm really interested in personality types. So I actually got, um, I actually went to a Myers-Briggs um, program. Oh, and okay. so I actually have that license as a Myers-Briggs administrator, so I can, you know, minister those exams to people and actually uh-huh, have uh-huh. sessions with them because I'm so interested in those Myers-Briggs I love that kind personality of types, right? Too. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually can do that. And so since my husband's a pastor, and so he does a lot of couples counseling because he marries a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so what he does is before he officiates the wedding, he meets with the couple about um, like three or four times, like once every other week to kind of like talk to them about marriage, what it looks like. And then he includes me, of course, because I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Right. Yeah. And I'm also, um, you know, I got my license in Myers-Briggs. So of course I'm gonna, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, yeah. join. And so what, what I do is I administer this personality type test to them. And then I actually like analyze it with them. And then I will go through the whole this thing called the genogram which is like their whole family history and I go through this whole thing with them and I go through the whole couple's counseling and all of that with my husband wow because of his job yeah and this is for every couple that he officiated at least in our church and I it was becoming too much so I said you know what like let's just do it for our church members first because yeah. <laughs> I can't do this for everyone you marry right, right, right. marrying his friends sometimes and I was like I can't do this because it takes so much work to right. like, evaluate their assessments and you know what I mean but and that so sounds amazing yeah so we were just doing that so I was doing a lot of couples counseling from that 
And then, um, and you know, in general, like when I, but you know, what's funny is as a therapist, you're not supposed to have um, someone, you know, as your client, because that will form a dual relationship. Uh, So for example, I will never be able to counsel you Blair, because I already know you, we already have a relationship before. And so I will refer you to another person that you don't know. And so if we go to the same church and so I don't really, you know, I'm not really my church people's therapist. Okay. Okay. Like I don't really do that. Um, um, because it's, you know, we're not supposed to. And so like a lot of times, uh, my, my church girls ask me like, Oh, like, you know, Gina, can I, can I meet with you? And I'm like, no, because that's a dual relationship. I have to refer you out, but yeah. I can listen to your story and see what will be appropriate for you. <laughs> um, but because of the nature of my job, I do like listen a lot. Yeah, yeah. I do have to like use my tools, you know? Yeah. 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 And so this is the reason why actually I got so, um, burnt out of counseling people of listening to people because it became so familiar with me that I was I'm not like good at it but I I I know how to you know engage with people with like counseling and so as a mom it became so draining Mm -hmm. um so draining and I just and, and even when I sit down with a person like even when I was doing private practice Part of the reason why I'm not in private practice anymore was because it, it, it got too draining for me yeah. to sit down with a person for an hour and do that. I loved it, but as a mother, it was just too hard. I just wanted, for a weird reason, I just wanted an office job where I don't have to think about it and just an eight to five job, which is why I got into this job that I'm at right now. Right, right, right. It didn't have to be this infinite world of possibilities of what this person is thinking about, like how I can help them, like you know, it, it was just, it, you know, it wasn't concrete enough for me at the stage of my life. Sure. Yeah. And so, and I, you know, even with my best friend, I say, you know, because my best friend's a therapist too. And I, I say, you know, I think private practice is something that I would practice maybe when I am older, when my kids are older too, uh, to build my brand, to do it, you know, because a lot of times when you're, um, you know, just working, you don't, see a therapist during the day you see a therapist after your work right Mm -hmm. I don't have time to meet with the person after they're done working because I'm a mom I have to tend to my kids right but maybe when I'm older I could do more of that stuff which is why I say this license is very versatile because you can do so many different types of jobs you know depending on the stage of your life and I know a lot of moms that are in utilization as a licensed therapist because you know, they can work from home and they could also turn it off after, you know, eight to five or whatnot. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's still appropriate for me right now. So I like it, it hits the core with me when you say, you know, I'm a mom, it's draining to sit with somebody for an hour. But for those of the people listening that have no idea what that's like, could you speak to that just a little bit? So like, what, you know, like the draining part, like, you know, can you expand on what you're trying to? Yeah, for sure. I think what it was is, you know, for example, when you're in private practice and you know, when you are, um, a lot of private practices, when you are hired under a practice, um, a lot of them won't, um, offer health insurances either. Mm -hmm. It's probably a 1099 job. You're contracted, you know, as a individual contractor. And so let's say they pay you, for example, X amount of money per hour, then, you know, you get taxed, you know, you don't get tax deducted. Right. And so you're using that money to pay for your own kids insurance. Nothing is really set for you. Uh, and so, you know, if you meet 28 clients, then you get paid 28 clients that week. Um, and if you have your own private practice, that's even more because you're paying rent for your office and whatnot. So you're building your own business, like mm-hmm. a, a, a doctor, for example, right? And so you can go to a place that will do the paperwork for you, but you will still, you know, not have those, oh, you know, you have your own insurance and whatnot. So that was like the number one thing for me. I didn't like the fact because I, my husband's, you know, church is not going to offer health insurance for all of us. That's, you know, like a, you know, big company, you know? So mm-hmm. I think for me, I just was like, okay, maybe I could crunch up the numbers. Okay. Is this the right path for me? And also in terms of the emotional side, yeah. I meet with a client and it basically meant the more clients I meet, the more money I was going to make. And I just hated the fact that, man, like I need to meet the quota in order to, you know, be my family. Right? And I, I hated that. And also, you know, when I sit down with a person and I'm, you know, doing all this and it was just so tired because my kid's like a toddler. Right. 
and it was so draining and, and, and I was listening to their stories and sometimes there are stories where I'm like, oh man, because when you have a client that is having, you know, issues where there's suspect of child abuse, for example, and whatnot, then it's like, oh man, then I need to report this. And then, so it's like all these things in my head. So when I'm done at five or four or whenever, I'm not really done because I'm thinking about it. And also I need to think about what tools can I use the next day? Like I have to plan ahead. Like, okay, when I meet this client, I can talk about this, you know? And to fit all that in, it was just too much for me. And it was just not the appropriate, you know, and I didn't have enough energy and zeal to do that at the stage of my life. Sure. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Yeah. And and it was, and and honestly, the time wasn't going by that fast either for me for some reason, (laughs) because I'm so scatter-minded as a mom. Maybe that's why we had so much going on. I just, I don't know. It was just kind of not going fast enough for me I I guess I'm more like liking the busy words for the space of my life I love it's weird because people think oh therapists are very like easygoing they don't like fast-paced work but I love fast work. you know I love office jobs yeah which is so not what my best friend is like she loves like you know um you know just sitting down and I like that too but for some reason, as a in this stage of my life, I it was not enjoyable to me. Mm. You know, the time wasn't going by fast. I just wanted to get this job done. Like sure, I was so yeah. tired. I was like, I just want to do my job and just be done with it. I don't want to because I was doing that at the private practice, and then I was going home, and then my husband is telling me the church member is going through this, and I'm like, What do you think? <laughs> and I'm like, Man, I can't catch a break. You know, yeah. and you'll be surprised. Like a lot of your not your friends, but a lot of people seek you when you have this job, you know, and you don't want to, you know, you, you learn how to draw boundaries, but it just gets so tired because ethically you're like, I don't want to listen to you, but I do want to give you this, you know, counseling, yeah, you know, and absolutely. so maybe that's to do with my husband's job. I think that's what it is too. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I so think, tiring. I mean, pastoral jobs are just you're giving all the time on top of yeah. being a therapist and to give more. I can't even I'm laughing not because it's funny. I'm laughing because it's just I resonate a little bit in just certain areas. Like just not the therapy part, obviously, but I I'm laughing because I understand is what yeah. is why I'm laughing. Yeah. But um <laughs> man, so okay, like you realize at this time of your life it's not for you. But how did you end up then at this insurance company? You just some research yeah. or yeah so I was looking at Indeed right and I was looking at you know maybe I'll just work somewhere that will give me interest but I don't know if any private practice would do that and so I was just looking through Indeed and then there was a job um, for this company and you know Indeed has this like review of the company and I was looking at the review and they were treating their employees very well <laughs> and I've never worked at a company where I was having that satisfaction honestly mm. I've never worked because it was always Blair when I was working it was always man I'm working this to get somewhere I'm going to grind it out so I'm going to get somewhere even when I was working with autistic children I'm like okay I'm going to do this so that I can get somewhere to gain experience you know when I was working at Goodwill I was like okay I'm going to do this so that I can get somewhere it was always I don't enjoy it 100% but I'll get there you know Mm -hmm. and so you know I was thinking okay well like, let me just interview, you know, let me just interview for this place. My husband said, you know, they're paying, they're giving you really great insurance. They're really treating you well. It is an eight to five job that I was not familiar with because a lot of the county contracted work, you're not sitting at an eight to five job. You're driving a lot. You have a lot of free time. It's salary. If you're done earlier, you're done earlier. That was really not like, I haven't done an office job since like when I worked at that logistic company right after I graduated. So I was kind of like, mm, I'm not sure. But when I looked at the criteria, it was about like, you know, using your clinical judgment, you know, using your clinical judgment to kind of see like what is appropriate, you know, USS and all of that kind of seemed appropriate. And I didn't have to work after hours, for example, right? Yeah, so that's yeah. what I was doing. And so I was, so I thought, okay, I can do, I can try. And I interviewed and then I talked with my supervisor who was interviewing me at that time. And she was describing the job day for me. And I was still not sure, honestly. I'm going to be honest. I was like, mm, if they hire me, they hire me. If they don't, they don't. And I went through, and I, went through I think, um, I think two, or, two levels of interviews, I think. It wasn't just right away. It was like two different levels of interview. 
And then they decide to hire me. And it was hard because they wouldn't even let me in the office to see how their day was because it was, you know, because of HIPAA, right? They didn't even, I couldn't even look inside to see what it was like, the environment. And so I got hired and I was like, you know what, let's just try it out. You know, if I don't, then I think my private practice was willing to take me back. Mm. And so I was like, you know what, let's just try it out. They're going to offer us a full-time job. Let's just try it out. And I tried it out and I really enjoyed it wow and I told and I told my my, I tell my friends I'm like you know like I got into this thinking I really wanted to counsel people but right now in my stage of my life man like I really enjoy this job it's so lightweight Mm -hmm. and it's fast it has deadlines but I can do it I know this stuff very well and when I listen about the clients I've actually seen them in real life when I was working at my other job so I know what they're talking about right and I have the resources for them I can give it to them right and so it was it was really appropriate for my life I just really enjoyed it and I still do I really like it a lot that's amazing really weird I know it's the first time ever that I've ever said wow I really enjoy the job that I'm doing wow what a blessing what a gift it really it really is wow um well is there anything you don't like about your current job (laughs) you know the only thing is I think was going to the office honestly but now that I'm working with (laughs) it's like the best (laughs) and you mentioned even your company's kind of realizing maybe we don't need to go in I don't know it could be like perfect but another blessing for this is that I, it was seriously a blessing. This company is only seven minutes away from my home. What? <laughs> yes. That's and awesome. So, yes. And my teammates, which is about like 20 people, they're all mothers. They're all oh. mothers. My supervisor was gone for maternity leave and just came back. And so they all understand mm. like how it is to be a mother. Mm. And for me, and I'm not saying like men cannot do this job either. I'm not saying that at all, you know? It's just that, like, my teammates, they were all mothers. And for me, in this stage of my life, I really, you know, find, found it really well. The only thing I, you know, you, since you've asked, that was kind of um, it's kind of hard is when those crises called do come, mm-hmm. you know? Especially when I am done with my job. But, for example, they have a severe case right away, then I can't leave because I have to take care of that case. So mm-hmm. I may work overtime or... I can't get my job done in with a deadline because I have this member that I have to deal with. So, mm-hmm. you know, those spontaneity will be yeah. the only thing and working full time for 40 hours a week, right. which a lot, <laughs> everybody does, but from but, our jobs, we're not used to doing that. And so, but sure. other than that, yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm selling it too much because I really enjoy it. No, but. that's amazing. <laughs> and, you know, I'm so thankful that you were able to even bring this uh, type of occupation to light for me today yeah. because I had no idea. And I'm sure there are a ton of people listening that had no clue that this job even existed. Yeah. It wasn't even a possibility. And, and yeah, I mean, the fact that you love it is just a plus. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Um, well, For you know, sure. um, I truly appreciate you talking about your entire journey up until now. And I gained yeah. so much from our conversation. <laughs> um, I do want to ask you um, for some advice. But before um, we sign off with that, um, I kind of had a question about just Asian Americans um, when it comes to Asian American families and mental health, do you have any yeah. like opinions on that? Like just the fact, cause okay. Okay. Like just real talk. Like, yeah, I think there's a huge stigma, right? Like, mm-hmm. especially within, um, Korean American families, Asian American families, like you don't really go seek mental help professionals. No, right. no, you don't. And so I think there is a stigma. I think other ethnicities have a stigma with that too but yeah Asian Americans they think you know that you're quote-unquote crazy right you're like you're going to a psych or or like you have to be you know you know paranoid to meet with a therapist and you know even with um my parents like when they thought they heard that I was going to be a therapist they thought I was going to meet with quote-unquote crazy people Mm. right which Mm. is not not true right Mm. and so I think I don't know why there is such a stigma with it. Maybe it's pride, maybe it's shame, you know, because you, you know, it's a vulnerability aspect. But I think, you know, and a lot of Korean people go to churches too, and a lot of them seek their pastors for help, right? For spiritual guidance. 
Um, but I'm actually educating my husband saying, you know what, there is a line between spiritual guidance and also professional health. Mm-hmm. And I really want to educate even the churches saying, you know, yeah, you can help, but you can't help. There's a certain extent, like what you're talking about is mental health. It's not really spiritual guidance, which I mean, you know, people can debate me on that, of course, because there's a gray area, right? Like, because as a pastor, there are no boundaries. You can even go to their homes and really try to help them. But, you know, it's so hard for pastors to do everything. They're not Mm -hmm. social workers for everyone, right? And I think there is a certain um, guidelines that they can follow where they can refer them to mental health. And that's why, you know, I say partner up with a mental health and so we I you know I've given them certain numbers and they have numbers that they can refer them out to so that you know the pastors can have their own self-care but also could say okay this is not my area like you can really seek professional help mm-hmm. um and I think you know maybe familiarizing it more you know and for the leaders you know to experience it themselves even to be ambassadors to say hey I went I went and, you know, look for a therapist, you know, and I'm gaining a lot of insight about myself. I want to tell people that, you know, you're not going to a therapist just to, just because you have an issue, you know, you're going there to learn more about yourself, Mm. to have some more realization about yourself of why you are the way you are, or even just having a place to process your thoughts, you know, because we're so conditioned in a way where, you know, I'm so conditioned to feeling this way. Like whenever someone talks to me this way, I get triggered. But nobody really thinks about why that triggers you. You know what I mean? Like why I'm talking the way I am. And if you actually take the time to explore yourself with a person who's professional enough to do that with you, man, your like trajectory of life could change so much, you know, that influence. But I don't think people know that yet, you know, not just Asian Americans, a lot of other people. And but it does have a lot of stigma to it. And I really want to, you know, bring that to light to a lot of my peers, my Korean friends or my Asian American friends or even other people, because it's not just Asian Americans who have that stigma. Yes. Wow. I mean, like what you said for me is was really powerful because I just feel like that that process step, you know, just me yeah. personally, I'm just very feeling based too. And I'm yeah. an external processor. So I get in trouble yeah. a lot. Like, cause I, yeah. cause I just kind of like talk, but, um, yeah. you know, I'm realizing myself too, even, I think even like, I mean, maturity wise, you know, just growing older, but even as a mom, like the yeah. way that I parent even yeah. is like, why, why am I doing this? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and you sometimes see a reflection of yourself. I mean, of your mother in you as a mother or, you know, a reflection of how you didn't want to be or, or an exact yeah. opposite of your mother. Like mm-hmm. there are so many different ways you were molded. And so to take the time to explore that in your life is, I think, doing good to yourself so mm-hmm. that, you know, as you grow older, you get to kind of see, because, you know, as you get older, it's just so hard to change habits. Yes. Know? You just kind of get stuck in your way. And um, I think this is just everything, whether it's a job, whether it's your life, evolving and learning different things, learning tools to really better yourself. Evolving is always good, I think, for you in general, for you know, self-improvement or your job or just moving forward, always evolving and being open to change, which is very hard for me because I'm very ABC, one, two, three. I'm creature of habit. I love I hate spontaneity, mm-hmm. but to be open to that so that you become better and you evolve, I think that's so appropriate. And it, it, it would really help you um, prevent the burnout too, I think, you know? Yeah. I mean, that in itself was just really sound advice. I was going to ask you, do you have any other advice for people <laughs> other than being open-minded, you know, and just really yeah. evolving all the time for people that are interested and um, becoming a therapist or interested in MFT um, at yeah. all. Yeah. Do you have any words yeah. for them? You know, I, you know, I think what I'm trying to instill in my kid also, and what I'm learning is, um, I think, you know, I think someone just gave me this fact where there's more success rate when someone is more not used to failing, but not afraid of failing. Mm-hmm. And you can, join an MFT program and just do a quarter of it and see if it's for you or not. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You can always try it out. And if it's not for you, then you can finally say, this is not for you. You can always, you know, it, it, you will always learn from any life experience. You're not wasting it, you know? And so 
if you think this is really for you, like it, or any other graduate program you're in, you know, the people, fellow students that I started the program with, not all of them graduated with me. A lot of them realized, no, maybe this isn't for me, you know, and, and sometimes, or they took longer, you know, the, you know, I had like 70 year old grandma next to me who graduated the program with me, you know, and people who were engineers their whole life and decided to take this side of the road and decided to do this therapist route. Mm -hmm. And so there are different people who, you know, explore different things. And I think, you know, just try a quarter of the program, graduate program, if you are really interested and talk to the therapist too, and see if this is for you and seek, you know, just seek out those people and really be active in that weather. And this is just any other job too, in my opinion, you know, not being afraid of failing and really just, it's, you know, if it sparked an interest in you, there's probably a reason why. Yeah. And try to explore why it sparked an interest in you, you know, and see why, why, why do I keep going to this type of job, you know, and really explore it and see, you know what, like, maybe I can try and really don't be afraid of talking to people and, and seek out those people, you know. Yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. Um, Thank you so much, Gina. I feel like me, myself, I'm like a few things on my mind. I'm like, okay. The last thing you said, don't be afraid of failing. I, yeah. need to, I need to be constantly thinking of that too. And I'm like, man, maybe I should be a therapist. It sounds so like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm like honestly, wow, Claire, like, you're using so much of the tool already. Yeah. Like, therapists do called reflective listening, you know? It's you're like so interesting. What I'm saying. So yeah, interesting. It's, and that's the thing. Anybody can join and really any season of their lives, you know, and really see. And they're my programs, you know, just try it out and don't be afraid <laughs> and see. Always talk to because it it really is. I mean, it's I'm telling you, and it's a versatile job, you know. Yeah. And so yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Gina. I really appreciate it again. I appreciate your time. No um, if you enjoyed listening to this episode today and you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Um, if I can't answer your questions, I'm sure I can get someone that can answer your questions for you about um being a therapist or marriage and family therapy. Um if you want to email us, you can email us at podcastwigu at gmail.com. Thanks again, Gina. I really appreciate you. Until next time. No <laughs> Bye.